You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. They might think that my life is perfect, that I'm a very rich and powerful man, that I have no worries at all. And actually, my story is just like any other. It's a story that could be counted by millions of millions of immigrants in this country. TV news anchor Jorge Ramos. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Well, for many years, Walter Cronkite was America's favorite and most trusted television news anchor. Well, now there's a man who's known widely as the Walter Cronkite of Latino Americans. His name is Jorge Ramos, and he's been anchoring the news on Univision since 1987. Now, it was around his 50th birthday when he realized that he had, at that point, spent half his life in his native Mexico and the other half in the United States that Ramos became a U.S. citizen. But as he explained in his 2002 autobiography, No Borders, he never really felt completely comfortable in either country. And the conversation that he and I had about that book over 20 years ago now seems as relevant today as it was then. So here now, from 2002, Jorge Ramos. My, my name is very difficult to, to pronounce. I convinced the President of the United States that uh, Jorge was the same as George, which it is. <laughs> And that Ramos is the same as Bush. So whenever, so whenever I have the chance to to meet with, with the president of the United States, he un, he knows who I am because we have the same name. Anyway, um, let me ask you. I mean, there is. I mean, a translation is a very personal thing. I mean, you 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 have to put a great deal of trust in the person doing the translating, don't you? Yes, I, and it's it's difficult. I mean, if it's difficult to translate any work, just imagine trying to translate your feelings and your perspective. However, I was very happy with the translation by, by Patricia Duncan. And I truly believe that the version in English is much more direct and concise than the one in Spanish. And as a matter of fact, you'll find that the English version of the autobiography is much shorter <laughs> than the one in Spanish. So this tells you the two worlds in which I'm living and the two worlds in which I'm uh, jumping from one to the other. That's the theme of the book, isn't it? Absolutely. I, that's why I call it No Borders. That's how I think I am living right now, in between, in between worlds, worlds and in between worlds, too. Um, I, I was born in Mexico, in Mexico City. I lived 25 years in Mexico, and then I came here about 20 years ago. And since then, I can tell you that I that there's not a single day in which I do not think of uh, going back to my country. And um, the nostalgia sets in constantly, all the time. I think nostalgia comes especially with the flavors and with the food and with... Um, the holidays. Absolutely. Uh, different holidays. So even though I, um, I'm extremely grateful to the United States, uh, this story could only have been written in the United States. It's, uh, I'm an immigrant. I still feel like an immigrant because that's exactly what I am. And this country gave me the opportunities that my country of origin couldn't. However, sometimes I do not feel part of this country. On the other hand, when I go back to my country, to Mexico, the country that I left is not the one okay. that, I, that I remember. It's only in my dreams. So sometimes you get the feeling that you are not part of either one country or the other, or maybe 
in the best cases, you can be part of both. And, and you, and this is the story of your striving to be a little bit of both. Yes, in trying to um, to feel comfortable calling myself an American and to calling myself Mexican at the same time, mm -hmm. calling myself American and calling myself Latino at the same time, uh, speaking uh, English like right now or speaking Spanish, uh, jumping from uh, one culture to the other, one culture, the Latino culture or the Latin American culture in which family and religion is more important than work or feeling comfortable in a culture like the American culture in which work uh, and your okay. job sometimes is much more important than anything else. And a culture where the first thing people ask you is what do you do? Exactly. <laughs> While, um, for instance, when you are making a business in, in Latin America, first you got to know the person. First you ask him or ask her about their families, um, their religion, uh, their set of values. And after you sort of know the person, and even if it's the first encounter, after you know the person, then you can jump and talk uh, about business. In the United States, it's exactly the opposite. Mm -hmm. You do not want to know, and you simply do not care about if the other person is uh, a Catholic or a <laughs> Jew or a Protestant, if uh, they had a rough day or if they're divorced or not. Uh, you simply talk about business immediately. So those are the, some of the differences that I'm confronting on a daily basis. And I'm, and I'm with no borders, jumping from one culture to the other. But it occurs to me, you're not doing this alone. There are millions and millions of people who are trying to do the same thing. And will that not result in gradually a blurring of the distinctions? Won't we all become one integrated? Or am I just dreaming? Well, I think something very interesting is happening with the Latino community. Many people thought that the melting pot was working. 20 years ago, when I came to the United States, uh, a news director told me that, that I should forget about uh, working in television because my accent was too strong in English, and that all the Spanish language media was going to assimilate into just the general market media. The opposite has happened. Nowadays, at least 30 million people speak Spanish in this country. Latinos are assimilating in a very different way. Of course, we are assimilating economically and politically, but culturally, we are not fading into the rest of society as um, Europeans did. I mean, uh, Italians did not have three television networks in mm -hmm. Spanish. Germans did not have hundreds of radio stations in, in their own language. Uh, Poles did not have uh, hundreds of newspapers and magazines in their own language. So Latinos, of course, are assimilating on one hand, but on the other are keeping their sense of identity uh, pretty much linked to, um, to their language. Mm -hmm. So our sense of identity is linked to our country of origin and to our language. And these might create uh, some conflict for certain communities. I understand that if you... Uh, imply that Latinos are different, other people are going to resent the fact that this community might not be assimilated as fast or as thoroughly as others did in the past. After this short break, Jorge Ramos reveals what his secret ambition really was. Now back to my 2002 conversation with Jorge Ramos. 
Now, we should say this is a very personal book for you. It is, uh, it is very personal. Th- yeah. this, this, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated when I meet journalists who write about themselves because we are accustomed as journalists to turning the, the harsh spotlight on other people yeah. and picking their lives apart bit by bit. When you have to turn that spotlight around and do it to yourself, does it feel strange? Does it's, it feel odd? It feels very strange because I've been trained, uh, as you, I'm sure, of not expressing my opinions, mm-hmm. of um, holding my emotions... I've been doing a newscast in Spanish for the last uh, almost 20 years. And, um, of course, I've never cried on the air. I never, ever expressed one single political opinion. People do not know if I favor Republicans or Democrats. And suddenly, I'm just writing a book, which is exactly the opposite of what I've been doing. But I think I can explain that by saying that I am frustrated by, by television. I am frustrated by having to tell a story in two minutes, by by having to to conform the world into uh, 22 or 23 minutes a day. So for many years, I've been holding back many emotions and, and expressions and commentaries. And, um, and this was the time to, to say it all. Uh, after so many years of holding back, now in my book, I can say exactly who I am. And, and I think people are accepting that uh, pretty much. People don't expect me to be completely objective. They do, not, they do know that I could be an objective journalist, but also that I have a very intense, personal, mm-hmm. and ideological side. And now they will finally know the truth about why you are not <laughs> a classical guitarist. Exactly. Why you are not an Olympic athlete. Yes, and, and when people see me presenting a newscast every day um, in New York and Washington and Los Angeles, Miami, Houston, Dallas, they might think that my life is perfect that I'm a very rich and powerful man, that I have no worries at all. And actually, my story is just like any other story. It's a story um, that could be counted by millions of millions of immigrants in this country. And um, that it was not easy. Um, I, when I came here, I was, as you just mentioned, I, I wanted to become a, a guitar, a guitarist. I wanted to go to the Olympic Games, and I just couldn't do that. But... But in the United States, this, this might be the, the land for, for truly dreaming. In this country, I did achieve everything that I wanted to achieve. I, I came here as a, as a waiter, making $15 a day. I, the, most important job in, in the most important thing in that job was that I could eat once a day. Um, that was very important, not only the $15. And then the possibility of going from being a waiter to being a, a national anchorman, uh, I think could only happen in the United States. It would be almost impossible for me to think of any other country in the world, mm-hmm. not, not even Europe, in which you could do that. And it's ironic that it's that kind of opportunity that there are some extremists in the world that want to destroy, you know, that, they want to, that they resent us for having that kind of freedom. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the, um, also, we have to understand that, of course, the United States is a completely democratic society in which we have freedoms that many others in the world do not have. Mm-hmm. But from the outside, the United States sometimes it, it's being seen as an imperial power still. So that's the conflict that many people have with the United States. On one hand, they would love to come here. And every, every year we see 
uh, a million and a half people coming to this country, both legally and undocumented. Mm -hmm. uh, but on the other hand, from the outside, and especially right now, in which we're about to, to start a war with Iraq, um, many people resent the power of the United States, the military power of the United States, and the possibility of acting in a unilateral way and not in a multilateral way. It is, the, it is the big brother who sometimes you love and sometimes you hate. Absolutely, and it's very difficult. In Latin America, I can tell you that we are used to um, these cycles in which sometimes the United States is very close, so close that um, you can hardly breathe. <laughs> and sometimes the United States is so far away they, that they do not even recognize that we exist. So um, in Latin America and in the uh, Hispanic world, uh, the idea of the United States is a very conflictive idea. Are you a kind of an ambassador then to, to try to bridge mm -hmm. these two perceptions? I'm, it's interesting that, I, that we decided to, to write the book uh, both in English and Spanish mm -hmm. because um, for those who speak Spanish, what they are seeing in the book is that uh, here's an immigrant who made it. And I, I could do exactly the same thing. So there are a lot of elements of identification. Um, on the other hand, the book in English is for, for those who do not know us, for those who do not speak Spanish, to understand that immigrants are not terrorists, that immigrants are not criminals, and that after September 11th, it is very unfair that 31 million immigrants living legally in this country could become sometimes the scapegoats for the lack of uh, intelligence work by the CIA and the FBI, and that all immigrants somehow are suspect for acts committed by 19 foreign-born extremists. So it is very difficult to be an immigrant nowadays in the United States. Probably it's the most difficult time uh, in, in many decades. And I'm trying to let them know, again, that immigrants are an incredible positive force uh, to this country, that immigrants contribute $10 billion a year to the economy of this country, and that we are here to stay. Uh, most probably the, uh, the food that we all had this morning was harvested by immigrants. Most probably the buildings and the houses that we live in were built by immigrants, and most probably uh, the social security payments for the uh, for rapidly aging population in the United States is going to be paid by immigrants. Jorge Ramos is 65 now. He's been anchoring the news on Univision since 1987. He lives in Miami. And you can get a copy of No Borders by Jorge Ramos in either English or Spanish by following the link in our show notes or by going to our website, heardeverything.com. And that, by the way, is also where you'll hear my 1992 interview with another noted and respected TV journalist, Jim Lehrer. Just a few minutes before the plane was due to land in Dallas, the rewrite man downtown said, do they have the bulletproof bubble top on the car? And I said, well, I'll go find out. And the guy talks on the radio, and he says, yes, it's clear downtown. So yells back to these other agents take off the bubble top and my 2007 conversation with former mexican president vicente fox my grandfather was an immigrant to mexico 1895 he came all the way down without a penny in his pocket but a lot of dreams and a lot of uh, hopes and he made his american dream in mexico and as you know we post new episodes of now i've heard everything every monday wednesday and friday 
and you can find us on every major podcast platform. Thank you so much for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything. If you enjoy going back and revisiting somebody's predictions about the future from 10 or 20 or even 30 years ago, you're going to love what we have for you next time. My 1990 conversation with the author of best-selling books like Future Shock and Power Shift, Alvin Toffler. What you don't know is you're paying twice for that same bag of groceries. Once with money, and the second time with the information that that store's computer is sucking out of that bag of groceries you just bought. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. <laughs>